One is a madcap adventure filled to the brim with famous comics. The other is pretty much the same, but with Smash Mouth. It's a mad, 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 mad world and rat race. They remade it. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of They Remade It. I'm your host, Stuart. And I'm your host, Jacob. Back at it again, the, you know, in the midst of pandemic and the onset of spring. So this is this is a fun time. Yep, you just got over being sick before the pandemic yeah. started, too. So I think you're in the clear now. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that, that'd be the funniest shit. Just like, if, any, if you have any kind of sickness before a big sickness comes out, you've you still got, a like, a free pass. It's like, if I had a bad cold which i think i had then i'm just like you know coronavirus and eh, nothing i would gladly be like oh i got a sore throat for two days it's like well yes but now you are completely impervious to the current disease that's it's going around. it's like, like oh okay it's like it's like a grace period in video games where you know you do an attack or you get hit and there's a brief moment where you're completely invulnerable that's what it is in real life yeah right now i'm flashing in and out of 50 percent opacity so no, <laughs> no coronavirus gonna touch me today <laughs> uh, I'm sure, like, I'm sure that to future historians that this the, that this referencing will either be hopefully, like, hopefully quaint or like a final recording before doom sort of deal. That would, I I think I'd prefer the latter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to be, be like, ha, we're all gonna be fine. It's all just a, we're all gonna be fine. It's all just a joke, and this is our last episode. <laughs> the final moments. Yeah, well, in our pre-final moments, I guess we should probably talk about what we watched uh, this time around. And there is one particular big one. Did you want to do that one first, or did you want to talk about what, what things you've watched yourself? I figured I would talk about what I watched myself, and then I would end with that one, and we could use that okay. as a bridging point to yours. Sure. I am good with that. Oh, so I guess I should do that now, huh? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would assume so. <laughs> Okay, so outside of the uh, the the one that we're both going to talk about, um, I I only watched three other things. They're all Disney movies. I'm still on that. I'm gonna do it. I, I this year. I swear. Um, I <laughs> finally watched Fantasia. Sat down, nice. watched it, and organized uh, all of my console stuff into little boxes. Like Sega Saturn controllers go in here, and the N64 controllers go in here. And I just did that for like an hour, for like an hour and a half, and then the last half hour I just laid in bed and watched the rest of it. Um, <laughs> there's not much to say about it. I've seen it multiple times. Still good. Uh, it's definitely the type of film that I have to be doing something else because it's just it's music with several short vignettes, and while I can do that in short bursts, a two-hour movie is a bit too much of that for me. That's why I can't... I, 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 I went to several orchestras or orchestral performances as a kid, and they'd be like an hour and a half of music. It's like, I like music, but sitting here watching people do this for this long is too much for me. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm I'm of the same mind. I haven't gone to any orchestras, you you fancy band, you fancy pants. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely of the same mind. I, I can never do it. Yes. Well, I didn't go. I like. I was I was a guest of a very uh fancy friend, I will say. So. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that that one cat food? Yes, fancy friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh it's good to be back <laughs> back at it again with the jokes i can make them too um <laughs> i also watched uh bambi uh i really oh. liked <laughs> yeah i really enjoyed bambi as a kid i don't like it now it's boring um barely anything yeah i realized that <laughs> yeah i realized that way later on say like everyone goes on it's like oh it's so traumatic and everything was you go back to it, it's like fuck all happens <laughs> Yeah, and everybody is always talking, obviously, the fa- uh, spoiler alert for 1940s Disney film. Obviously, uh, his mother dies, and that's what everyone remembers. There's like 20 minutes of movie after that. <laughs> it, I, I forgot how short those movies were. Either I forget how either short or insanely long they were. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And, I, I mean, the same thing applies to other stuff, too. I think people don't fully remember. This doesn't apply to everybody. Um, but I, I, maybe my opinion will change when I go back to Pixar, because I think after the Disney thing, I'll do Pixar movies, which is definitely a shorter library, but some of those I have not, most of those I haven't seen since they came out. Um, right. Uh, I know people, including, I believe you, that genuinely, that really do like Up as a whole. Uh, uh-huh. most people, I think, really just like the first 10 minutes and then forget the rest of the movie. <laughs> and I'm of the mind is I remember watching it when it came out really liking the first 10 minutes and thinking the rest of the movie was so dull and boring. I think it would work great as just a short on its own, but I mean, that's mm-hmm. a completely different story. It's just set up to the plot of the actual movie that they made. So, yeah, I, I've kind of come to that conclusion later in life too. I think the rest of the movie is still a good fun film in its own right, but having, such a fucking like masterful first 10 minutes like uh, like i would i would be willing to debate some of the greatest 10 minutes of cinema ever done because like how much it portrays and how much of it just straight up has no dialogue and it's just brilliant and beautiful and it kills me every fucking time but then the rest of it it's like it's so it is such a tonal shift well maybe not tonal shift but definitely like just a whimsical shift because the first one feels very real, and the second one is like, okay, now we've gone into Disney territory. Yeah, now, now this is a Disney movie. We got funny animal sidekick, another funny animal sidekick, blatant villain, uh, the villain Defying, revealed. But, yeah, defying physics in every way, shape, and form. That sort of deal. Yeah, it hits. It hits a lot of those same notes. But yeah, if if that short were were to have existed on its own and had been entered at all those like at the Annie's the Oscars I guarantee it would have won all those awards but as a film as a the film as a whole it wasn't really taking anything home so the rest yeah. of the movie I think isn't terrible like you said but it's just it it almost drags down <laughs> the opening of the film just because of how spectacular the opening is yeah so <laughs> Anyways, oh, well. then me talking about a movie I have not watched in a while, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as opposed to what I Whoops. have been watching. Um, yep, back to it. 
Uh, and the last Disney film I watched, definitely one I had not seen since it came out, and I jumped quite a bit ahead, uh, Home on the Range, which... Uh, <laughs> of all the things. Look, Disney Plus, with a lot of their animated, their mainline animated features, did a really good job with putting all the deleted scenes and, like, uh, uh, interviews and stuff with people on Disney Plus with the movies... And some of the, I cannot believe some of the deleted scenes that they actually cut out of Home on the Range because I think it would have made it a much more interesting movie and a really? much more fun movie. Yes, uh, but it, it, I, my main problem with it is that it's stylistically interesting, but it uses weird, almost like a combination of three three D technology and rotoscoping in some shots, and it makes things look really weird. Like there's this aerial spin around the little patch of heaven farm where the main characters first live and it looks so out of place it's it's almost like a shell a cell shaded design without any <laughs> without any of the cell shading uh it's it's kind of gross and <laughs> and the movie doesn't know what it wants to be either because there will be 10 to 15 minutes of this Disney-style adventure, and then a really cartoony, like, something out of a Fleischer Brothers cartoon moment. Like, the main villain at one point gets hit in the face with a pan during a big chase scene, and his his face is, like, flattened into a pan, and he has stars above his head. It's like, what are you doing? This doesn't match the rest of the film, but, uh... Yeah, it's another, another tone shift problem. Yeah, I... I I'm... They didn't have a lot of full interviews for that particular movie, but I think based on some of the scenes that were cut there was a lot of behind the scenes restructuring of that film and that's why it feels so against itself at certain points <laughs> right I, I yeah i think it could have been better and and the soundtrack's kind of forgettable but the villain song i really do like i like yodeling i don't think it's annoying it's a i think it depends well, I, don't, I think that, that was beautiful. That just so. that just created a very interesting waveform on my on my audacity. <laughs> <laughs> that just created that caterwauling just created an alternate universe. Okay. Where it just opened a rift in space time. Oh my god! I I am the reason for the multiverse. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is sort of the last thing before we get into the big thing. Uh, do you want to yes. lead it off? Um. Should I say what I saw personally first, or oh, do you, I want to do that? You can if you want. Maybe that'll work better. I think I think I just have the two. Okay. Um, I rewatched uh, Toy Story with Hannah, uh, my girlfriend. Um, that was very nice. It a lot of the animation has aged pretty well. A lot of it has straight up not obviously. They've gotten better at animals. A lot better yeah, at animals. And humans. <laughs> yes. Um. But another thing I didn't realize about it is that my I forgot how much the tone of Pixar movies used to not, not be adult, but they certainly had a di distinct edge. Like I forgot how much how far I went back because, like, you know, the fact that the matter in the first one, but like Woody is trying to straight up destroy Buzz in most of the situations. Like, but like Woody is near psychotic in some situations, <laughs> and then like. You know, they'll make jokes and everything where he calls uh, Buzz. He goes, like, listen here, Mr. Light Beer. And I'm like, fucking what? <laughs> beer in my Disney like, film? Yeah, it's just like the fact that he even said it. It's just so many different scenes and there's a lot harder edges to everything. I'm just, 
man, I did not remember this when I was little. <laughs> well, knowing how how frequently you on you are on the internet and you tend to absorb a lot of the same stuff on there as I do, have you seen those pre Toy Story test roll footages of like I have how Woody I have was not, no. how Woody was originally supposed to act? I have not. No, they had Tom Hanks playing this really just evil, horrible Woody that was just. <laughs> berating all the toys and like no one sits on this bed slinky dog you're worthless you're nothing just being this horrible i think that everyone called the uh the day that they presented this footage to the higher ups they called it black tuesday because the the reception of the footage was so bad the higher ups were like what the fuck is this and they made him redo it because woody was just so unlikable and they kept some yeah. of that, obviously, for conflict, but he, he's a much more sympathetic character in the final product. Yeah, and he's definitely aged. I'd say aged well. I'd say, I, more accurately, he has been toned down over the years, even from that. Oh, yes, de- so. de- definitely. Also, I saw a clip from that movie recently online of the Buzz Lightyear commercial. I did not know until just here recently that that's Penn Jillette doing that commercial. I just heard Penn the, of Penn and Teller, the magician. I oh. heard the voice and I was like, oh my god, that's Penn Jillette. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Introducing Buzz Lightyear. I can't do it, Penn Jillette. But yeah, it's, it, it blew me <laughs> that's away. That's the last thing I would have expected, honestly, considering his usual his usual persona. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why he went in there. Or why uh, they got him. Probably, I don't know. It's Disney money. They probably paid a bit. Or it's it was early Pixar. They probably didn't pay a lot. And he was like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> I'll just do it. What do I got going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, watch that one. And then um, I rewatched uh, There Will Be Blood with like the Daniel Day-Lewis movie. Oh, yes. So the big, one, big difference. The one that I always get confused with No Country for Old Men because I really think yep. that they got the titles swapped on those. Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved it. I've I've gotten people. I've had people tell me mixed things about how they feel about it, but I think it's a a. It's a period of history that I love, and b. Daniel Day Lewis is fucking crazy and awesome as it, in it. So I still have yeah, yet to see that all the way through. I really should. I mean, yeah. I mean, like seeing you won't come to like any kind of grand resolution. I'll I'll say that, but you know, um, it's definitely not one of those movies where there's like a distinct arc beyond just the main character becoming more and more of a maniac (laughs) which like i guess is the point but still this is definitely a film that's more like you're kind of in it for the performances rather than necessarily the story itself even though i still think the story is really interesting um yeah i mean i'm i'm all in for really good performances as we will talk about soon but oh yes (laughs) and you know that we this leads us nicely to the big one um I don't know if we'd mentioned it on the podcast we did before distinctly, but um, obviously we, we expressed our interest in seeing it. But uh, Jake came down to see me because in my city there's an Alamo Draft House, and together we went to go see the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yes, we and did. it was awesome. <laughs> I am surprised at how much it was not how not terrible it was. Yeah, like. I think that every day I've been thinking over it, like, well, it may not every day, but, like, a lot <laughs> of the days. All I think about is Sonic. It, it's been about two weeks now. Well, maybe, like, a week and a half um, since we had seen it. But since then, I've been thinking about it. I was like, yeah, it's genuinely, like, so many 
video game movies just try to kind of get lost into its own material. The Super Mario Brothers movie comes to mind. Um, oh yeah, that thing but, has no idea what it is. Yeah, but in this one, it kind of it definitely did its own thing, as like every single individual Sonic property does. Um, <laughs> but it was like surprisingly full of like a lot of heart, and it was really sweet, and there was a lot of distinctly. If not funny, necessarily funny moments, at least like quirky moments. Especially like for fuck's sake, Jim Carrey just being in anything. Um, you know, I thought Ben Schwartz was fantastic as Sonic. It really did play out the idea that this character is just like I. I've mentioned. I'm sure I mentioned on here before that I have ADHD, and they played up the fact that yeah, this character has ADHD, and it was so funny to see because I was like, oh man, I I do some of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's just it's it's funny to see that it's funny to see kind of how his super speed kind of like he actually like interacts with the world with it. Like he literally just interacts only with himself because he's all alone and he's able to just be in two places at once, which is just silly and opens up so many potential plot holes in the situation. It's like, how can he not just use this at all times to be overpowered as fuck? But at a certain point you just stop caring. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it was a, it was a fun time. It definitely was. And I, every single day have thought about it since we saw it (laughs) um and i really do like it there's there's just two things like the first one i mentioned after we had seen it um we caught most of the references and then we found a guide online and there were like two or three that we missed um part of me once wishes that there was a lot more of that uh of uh, those references in there are allusions to other aspects of Sonic as a franchise, just because it has such a long history. And like you said, every single piece of media it puts out there goes in a completely different direction. So there's yeah. so many different things they could pull from. And then another part of me worries that we obviously didn't get that. So I don't have a reference point, but I wonder if that would ma- have made the movie worse. Maybe they would have put too much focus onto those things. I I don't know. So yeah. I'm torn there. I don't know which I which I would want. Um, I think I think the product that we got, and this is definitely a thing I've thought up uh, on numerous times. The product that we ended up with is probably the best possible situation we could have had. It's like this is the best product that could have come out of this entire thing after decades and decades of people rumoring about this thing existing. And then the snafu with the original design of the character and that being reworked and all the situations in the film where it could have done something weird or it could have had more characters. It could have added there was a scene where we came psychotically close to seeing Sonic's canonical bare feet Mm. and they skirted by it. And I know for a damn fact that we would have seen them in the original design because like if you remember from the original design of the trailers, he doesn't wear socks. He just has the shoes. And so that means in this situation, if it were still that, we would have seen them. And the internet would have gone all kinds of bad. (laughs) So I think, and I think, you know, all the other performances, I can't remember the main male guy's name is. I I cannot for the life of me remember. He's the dude who's been in like various random things. Isn't that his last name? Marsden? I think so. Yeah, something Um, but yeah, the dude, he, he was in Westworld. He was in that one movie, Hop, that was shockingly similar premise to this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I think they all did pretty pretty damn good. I think Jim Carrey was being his Jim Carrey-est in years, which, like, you know, 
love it or hate it, it's we've seen it before. It's nothing horrible. Yes. Um, and you know, I think they could have taken it too seriously with the whole concept, but they didn't. They had some fun with it, and I think you know, in the end, there are improvements to be made. There are plot holes, yes. Still think this is what the best we could have done. Otherwise, it would have just gotten muddled. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess the other thing that I sort of wanted, but we didn't get, and I don't know if it's good or bad, but, uh, my favorite piece of Sonic media is the Deke cartoon, uh, the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, not the, not the gritty Archie comics based one with Jim Cummings, the goofy one with the horrible drawings and bad backgrounds. Uh, (laughs) I really love that one. And I think I'm the only person on the planet that does. But you get a lot of interactions between Sonic and Robotnik henchmen. Like, because there's so many different robots and they have their own personalities. And I kind of wish there was some of that, too. Because most of it, Sonic is, like, making quips to himself, dismantling drones. And Robotnik has cameras in these, so he can see what Sonic is saying and doing. But it mostly feels like Sonic's, like, talking to an empty room sometimes. Yeah. But on the other hand, if they introduce too many characters, then again, it could get muddled. So what do I know? I, I don't know what I want. Uh, I, I am happy think... with what we got, but there are always things that I wish could have been could have been improved on. I'm I'm willing to bet that in the next movie they do of it because I'm all but certain they're going to do a sequel because they kind of they I won't spoil it, but they did leave kind of an open like kind of an open end cliffhanger kind of deal. Um that by the end of the movie, Robotnik becomes, like, truly, like, crazy Eggman Robotnik. And I think he's going to start making more robots with personality. And I Because, th- like, one of the main things in his personality throughout the movie is that he hates people and that he really only trusts machines. I think that's going to come back around to him just building these more personality-ridden robots as he becomes, like, the sole villain in his own right rather than just the U.S. government who is outsourcing Robotnik. So. Right. I think we will see that in the future, is what I mean. Right. I would love to get Scratch, Grounder, maybe Coconuts in there, but knowing the fan base they're going after, they're not going after the fan base of the cartoon. They're probably going to have, like, Buzz Bombers and those Ladybugs on wheels and then maybe Metal Sonic at the end. So. Yeah. They'll still get some of that in there, but. Yeah, this really is just going to be a fucking... This is the beginning of a choose-your-own-adventure book from hell. Like, they have so much random lore to pick from, and I am terrified what they're going to get. Like, my God, can you imagine if they bring in shit from the adventure games? Oh, my God. They could do anything they want that wasn't written by Ken Penders. They have access to all this different material. It's crazy. And so, like, I just... Oh, because, like, the, the bad internet shit came from those original games, I'm pretty sure. Like, the the like the like Sonic Adventure, um, like, Dreamcast, and then, like, GameCube games. Yeah, I think that I think that those were the start of the unhealthy obsessions. Under, then, Underground might have pay, play, played a little bit into it, but... A little, but that was the first time, really, that we had, like, such distinct characters and also... The addition of Rouge, which I think that just added the whole big catalyst to the situation. Yeah. So, like, if they start going down that rabbit hole, I am going to be scared. <laughs> well, let's try not to be scared anymore. <laughs> yes, let's let's move right along. It's like I personally loved it. It's very cathartic 
small 10 year old me is finally satisfied that there is a decent sonic movie now let us proceed with the actual fucking show yeah, of course <laughs> yes through with a few names that you probably have not that you may not have recognized and one of them that's just a fucking mouthful it's a mad 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 a, a mad 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 world yes. and rat race god that's a fucking train wreck of a, of a title <laughs> you did good you did it going to start this off with the plot to It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, 1963, directed by Stanley Kramer. We begin with a man speeding along a mountainside road, only to plummet off the side of it. This man, played by Jimmy Durante, proceeds to tell a gang of onlookers who rush to his aid roughly where he buried $350,000. This gang consists of J. Russell Finch, played by Milton Berle, Melville Crump, Sidney C- Sid Caesar, Lenny Pike, Jonathan Winters, and the duo of Dingbell and Benji Benjamin, Mickey Rooney and Buddy Hackett, respectively. They all agree to stay silent to the police about the money and then drive off to another spot further along the road to discuss splitting it up. This group now also contains Monica Crump, played by Edie Adams, who is traveling with Melville, and both Emmeline Marcus Finch and her mother, Dorothy Provine and Ethel Merman, who are traveling with Russell. After deliberating for a period on how to partition the money and eventually getting nowhere, it's decided that they will go their separate ways. Unbeknownst to them, the money was originally stolen by the dead man, and now all groups are being watched by the police, led by Captain Culpepper, played by Spencer Tracy, who has been working on the case for years. Now, the very nature of this movie has a lot of different groups going in different directions with intertwining plots, so I'm going to try to separate these groups and go through them one by one and uh, do that to the best of my abilities. Starting out with Russell, Emmeline, and Miss Marcus, they end up driving to a gas station before getting rear-ended by Pike in his truck. After sending Pike off to get help on a bicycle, they end up hitching a ride with one J. Algernon Hawthorne, played by English comedian Terry Thomas. Eventually, Miss Marcus, after attempting to call her son Sylvester multiple times, gets into a fight with Hawthorne. Hawthorne and Russell end up leaving Emmeline and her mother in order to get the money for themselves, only to eventually get into a fight themselves and wrecking their car. Sylvester chases down the pair and wrecks that car as well, confronting them about the whereabouts of his mother. Catching up with Pike, he ends up stopping one Otto Meyer, played by Phil Silvers, and explains about the money in order to get a ride with him. Meyer tricks him and takes off for himself, however, going after the money for his own selfish gain. Meyer eventually gets a flat and pulls over at a roadside auto shop only for Pike to catch up with him. Meyer convinces the two working at the auto shop to tie up Pike, telling them that he's unstable before taking off again. Pike, now furious, destroys the auto body shop and steals their car. 
Eventually, he catches up with Emmeline, Miss Marcus, Russell, Hawthorne, and Sylvester and picks all of them up. They then head off to get the money. Going over to the Crumps, they end up renting a dangerous biplane and end up locking themselves in a hardware store by mistake. They eventually release themselves from said store via dynamite. Now on to Benji and Ding. They are beaten out by the Crumps for the biplane, so they end up going to find a rich aviator at a country club, uh, asking him to fly them under the ruse that they want to see their sick mother. The rich aviator, played by Jim Backus, uh, voice of Mr. Magoo, flies them but gets knocked unconscious, and most of the rest of their story is flight control attempting to help them land the plane. Meyer ends up picking up a man who needs to get medicine to his family, but when trying to find his way out gets tricked into driving into a river by the man's son. He eventually gets out of the river, tricks one Don Knotts played character into uh, letting him take his car, and then goes off for the money by himself. Eventually, everyone finds the spot where the money is buried, only for it to be intercepted by Sergeant Culpepper. Captain Culpepper. Throughout the film, Culpepper has been having familial issues and decides to take the money himself and flee to Mexico. The group all chases him down, only for them to inadvertently lose all the money and wind up injured due to an incident on a fire escape. The film ends with all of them in intensive care, laughing about their future fate, and a pratfall performed by Ethel Merman. Now on to Rat Race 2001, directed by Jerry Zucker. The film begins with a group of individuals winning a token in a lottery game that leads them into a hunt for $2 million hosted by tycoon Donald Sinclair, played by John Cleese. This group consists of attorney Nick Schaefer, played by Breck and Meyer, disgraced referee Owen Templeton, Cuba Gooding Jr., Merrill Jennings and her mother Vera, Lenai Chapman and Whoopi Goldberg, respectively, Randy Pear and his family, uh, John Lovitz as Randy and Kathy Najimy as his wife Bev, Brothers Dwayne and Blaine Cody, Seth Green and Vince Villaluf, and narcoleptic tourist Enrico Pellini, played by Rowan Atkinson. Firstly, it's no, it should be known that Dwayne and Blaine destroy the airport radar, grounding all flights at the airport and sending everyone off on their own paths, which is what leads to the mayhem that ensues. Nick, after hearing about all the delayed flights, decides to go and ends up wooing Tracy Fawcett, played by M Amy Smart, who has a private helicopter that they can use. Everything is smooth sailing until she finds her boyfriend cheating and attacks him with the helicopter. When done, the copter is damaged, so they end up stealing the boyfriend's truck and are back on their way to the money. Now moving over to Owen. Owen is ditched in the desert after getting into a cab with a driver who lost money on a bad ref call Owen recently made. He ends up finding his way as the driver of a bus full of individuals on their way to an I Love Lucy convention. They are all dressed like Lucille Ball. The bus ends up breaking down, and so Owen eventually finds himself a horse and steals it, riding off to the location of the money. Moving over to Randy Pear, he tricks his family into going on the trip under the guise that he has a new work prospect, only for them to end up at a museum for Nazi Klaus Barbie. They find their van slashed, uh, this was the doing of the Cody brothers, who I will get to in a bit, so they end up stealing Hitler's car. After infuriating a biker group, uh, whack shenanigans lead to Randy in front of a World War II veterans group, sounding like and vaguely resembling Adolf Hitler, which gets them all shot at. The family tells Randy they want to end their trip, so Randy drugs them and loads them onto a semi-truck in order to go the rest of the way. The Cody brothers try to get their key replicated, but the locksmith overhears about the money and flees with the key, leaving them with destroyed keys, essentially. The Cody's chase him down before he escapes fully by hot air balloon and get the key back. They get distracted and end up at a monster truck rally where their car ends up flattened by said monster truck. 
uh, they end up stealing one of the vehicles there and end up taking it the rest of the way to the money. On to Meryl and Vera, they run afoul of a squirrel lady, played by Kathy Bates, who vindictively sends them off a cliff into a car graveyard of sorts. They end up finding a rocket car and stealing it, it's currently being used to set a land speed record, and they drive it until it's out of gas. Now disoriented, they are led onto a bus of mental patients, incidentally heading to the city where the money is. Finally, Enrico Polini, after initially falling asleep, runs out into the road in front of the airport, or hotel, I guess, and is hit by driver Zack, played by Wayne Knight, who is transporting a replacement heart. Worried about being sued, Zack says he'll give Enrico a free ride, only for them to end up losing the heart after deciding to peek at it. Enrico escapes Zack, who wants to kill him for the heart, and ends up on a train the rest of the way to the city. Enrico is the first to make it to the locker where the money is, but he falls asleep right in front of it. Everyone else arrives simultaneously and makes a mad dash for the money, only to find it missing. Sinclair's assistant, Grisham, played by Dave Thomas, is running off with a call girl from Vegas with the money. The locksmith in the balloon ends up showing up, catching up with Grisham, tying the money off to the balloon only for the balloon and said money to get away from him. The group chases the balloon down to a charity aid led by Smash Mouth, where it is believed that they are all going to be giving the money away to the charity. After some infighting among the group, they end up hearing a speech given by the kids that will be affected by the charity, and one by one the gang all gives up their portions of the money to the charity. Uh, the film ends with them announcing to the crowd that Donald Sinclair, famous millionaire, will match the money raised at the event, costing Sinclair a fortune. And that is it for both of those films. Quite the fucking ride, my god. <laughs> yes, uh, lots of different things to, to keep track of. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't have been so bad if they weren't all so fucking distinct. <laughs> Which, like, I guess is good. It would have been boring if it were all the same. If they were all identical, yes. Uh, it, I, right. Well, we'll get into it. <laughs> I was about to go into <laughs> something like that. Uh, go right ahead. Well, no, instead I'm going to do full circle first. Oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> Okay, so I will go through this as quickly as possible, because this is the biggest full circle we've had to date, uh, which was kind oh, of expected. Joy. Um, I mean, it's still, like, it's less than 15. It's not gigantic, but it, it is one of the larger ones we've done. <clears throat> so, starting off with It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, 1963, Andy Devine plays Sheriff of Crockett County in said film, and plays Danny McGuire in 1937's A Star is Born. He was the assistant director who was living in the boarding house. Buddy Hackett plays Benji Benjamin, obviously, and plays Marcellus Washburn in 1962's The Music Man. Speaking of 1962's The Music Man, Charles Lane plays Constable Locke in that film, and he is also the airport manager in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. <laughs> Doodles Weaver plays hardware store clerk in Mad, Mad World, and played Rube in 1963's Jerry Lewis vehicle, The Nutty Professor. Eddie Rochester Anderson was the second cab driver in Mad Mad World and was Max's butler James in What Price Hollywood, 1932. The oldest oh, pull here. Yes. We have one for What Price Hollywood, one for Star is Born. Yeah. Huh. Uh, finally, one of the ones that's easily missed by those who aren't actively paying attention jerry lewis <laughs> jerry lewis was in it's a mad mad world as the driver who runs over captain culpepper's hat 
Um, oh. Yes, that was him. He was doing the goofy eyes and everything. Uh, and, huh. and was Professor Kelp, Buddy Love, and, I mean, the baby version of Kelp. In 1963's The Nutty Professor. That one almost goes without needing to be mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I had to for the sake of consistency. Right. Even I'm also kind of surprised that... We- I'm kind of surprised we didn't have the one guy. I can't remember his name, but he played. He was it. He played like the deputy in Leave It to Beaver, or no, not Leave It to Beaver. Um, Andy Griffith Show. Uh, yeah, Andy Griffith Don, Show. Yeah. Don Knotts. Yes. Don Knotts. Yeah. I'm surprised we haven't had him before. Oh yeah, this is our first Don Knotts. Yeah. We've yeah def- he has a cameo as a driver. Yeah, we've definitely had Ron Howard before, but wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Small world. <laughs> Um, it's it's a small world for some, but a huge one for others. In Hollywood, it's always a small world. Mm. Okay, so we're about halfway through right now. Um, Mi- oh God! <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll, I'll. You know what? I'm gonna stay quiet for the remainder. I'll let you. I'll let you roll. All right. Anything you really feel the need to mention, bring up at the end, and we'll talk about it. Um, I will do that. Mickey Rooney was Ding Bell, uh, Buddy Hackett's partner in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, and was the small town resident in The Muppets 2011. He was uh, sitting on the bench during the opening musical number. Um, Milton Berle was Russell J. Russell Finch in Mad, Mad World and was Madman Mooney in 1979's The Muppet Movie. He ran the car lot uh, where Sweetums worked. Norman Fell was the detective at the crash site at the beginning of Mad Mad World and was Peter in 1960's Ocean Eleven. He was a main character. Paul Ford played Colonel Wilberforce in Mad Mad World and was Mayor Shin in 1962's The Music Man. That's three 1962 Music Man connections we got so far. Um, uh, and probably the biggest one, we've we've covered him a lot so far, and the last one for Mad Mad World is Sterling Holloway. He was the fire chief on the ladder near the end of the movie who told them all to calm down and uh, was the voice of the Cheshire Cat and Winnie the Pooh in both of those respective Disney films. Me and Alice in Wonderland? Yeah. Well, I guess the movie the movie isn't called Cheshire Cat, but... Yeah, I was, yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> Give me a break. Come need some slack. I'm running out of steam. Um... We have three left, all of these for 2001's Rat Race. John Cleese, obviously, as Donald P. Sinclair in Rat Race, was the narrator in 2011's Winnie the Pooh, and was Professor Barnhart in 2008's The Day the Earth Stood Still. Kathy Bates was uncredited as the Squirrel Lady in Rat Race, and was Regina Jackson in 2008's The Day the Earth Stood Still. And Whoopi Goldberg was Vera Baker in Rat Race, and she played herself as a telephone operator in the Muppet, uh, 2011 Muppet film. And that is it for Full Circle. <laughs> I think you've, I think you've earned your, you know, your your traditional breather for for this one. Yes, thank you. That that might be among the longer ones we've done, if not longest, at least most winded. Definitely, and I will just let you know right off the bat, uh, we currently have five potential episodes in the works for the future. I have done full circle for all of them ahead of time, and not a single one of them goes over three. So it's going to be easier <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> Alrighty, good to know. I'm glad we're branching out at least. Yes, yes. Don't want to get stuck in this bag of snakes for any longer than we have to. Nope, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. All right, so how did oh. you feel about both of these movies? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, you, you take a breather, you sound like you need it. Um, 
man, you do so, like uh, you this. Obviously, we mentioned we we alternate which ones we pick. You do like yourself a good chaotic movie, don't you? Like I really, between this, I really do. Yeah, like between this and like Nutty Professor and everything and those other kinds of movies, you do like yourself ones that's a star studded and b just goes fucking crazy. Even <laughs> like, even if the film is objectively like- bad, I enjoy movies that have intertwining plots like different plot threads that keep connecting throughout the course of the movie i really enjoy those see like i like that too but more so a in like tv shows where it's a bit more you know paced out and also like when there's not literally six or seven at once (laughs) where it's like at a certain point it just gets to be a lot like it's and and i made the joke earlier that you know it's a good thing these things weren't like I made the joke of oh um, it would have been easier to watch if everyone was a bit more similar but I was like that would have just been boring though but it's like on both sides I'm just like my god there's a lot <laughs> it's just I, and like for some reason I'm better at remembering the plot for Rat Race than for Mad World I'm just gonna call it Mad World because I'm not gonna say it that many times That's fine. Um, <laughs> like I don't know what it is maybe it's like Maybe it's a more recognizable world in Rat Race. I don't know. But it's just... I I don't know what it was about Mad World that just... It felt weirdly off for me. Like, everything was just kind of wrong. Which I know that's the point. Like, it's just... It's defying physics. There's a friggin' scene where they're at the airport where it... For all the world, looks like the Three Stooges are gonna be... Like, the firemen helping out people who are crashing the plane. Did you mention that earlier? I can't... I've already forgotten. Uh, with the exception of uh, voice of Mr. Magoo, Jim Backus, who was the rich aviator, um, yeah. I sort of left all of the other guest, guest stars out. So I did not mention Don Knotts. I didn't mention uh, the Three Stooges appearing. I didn't mention Jerry Lewis until Full Circle. So... Yep. They're, okay. Yeah. It's just... It's just like... Because that's, that's the whole thing with it. When I think back on Mad World... It, it feels like I'm remembering a dream, you know? <laughs> it's just... I... It's like, I, I didn't realize how chaotic... Well, okay, I know how chaotic a lot of older movies can go, because, you know, I appreciate them for that fact, because they can go all out with their stunts. And they obviously do on a few occasions in this one. Um, but just thinking back on it, it just feels like I watched it through a fucking haze, because so much is going on compared to the rat race. Mm, yeah. <sighs> Because like it's it's not as it's not nearly as simple of a plot for one like you know Rat Race is just rich weird billionaire just wants people to go race for a bunch of like really quirky bank like um, gamblers which I gotta say I'll get more into it later I absolutely love all the scenes with all the betters and everything um, I do too I love the sheik or the, the yeah. Iranian man it's yeah like... <laughs> um, so it's it's much simpler in that sense because you know. It's a very simple, straightforward plotline. It's not like there isn't a whole lot of outside forces going on. It's just several very distinct, eccentric characters all going after the same thing. Hijinks ensue. Like that seems pretty formula, not not necessarily formulaic, but at least seems straightforward. And with Mad World, it's just it's it's almost like the opposite situation. Like when with our remakes, usually usually it seems like the newer one overcomplicates things and then the original one is a pretty straightforward plot this one's complete opposite the first one with mad world it's got the whole thing with like this mobster guy who's like skipping parole 
to go find money, like buried money in a park. And like, there's a whole thing in the background about the police and like someone losing their pension and this whole thing. I, I just got lost and just like, and with how, again, and I made the comparison before that so many characters in older films, a lot of their dialogue, if, if not similar, is at least, they at least all seem to play very similar seeming characters. So I kept getting people confused with the exception of, Oh, the the two partners, the guy that who was also in uh, Music Man. Yeah, Buddy Hackett and Mickey Rooney. Buddy Hackett, Buddy Hackett and Mickey Rooney. They're definitely the most distinct, uh, just because you know it's fucking Buddy Hackett and Mickey Rooney. Um, <laughs> but then everyone else going around with it, I just kept getting infused. It's like okay, there's the annoying stepmother, there's the blubbering like son, and then beyond that, everyone just kind of meshes together. Like there's a guy with like a seaweed company, I think. Yeah, that's that's the same. The blubbering guy, that's Russell. <laughs> no, 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 the the other guy, the um, the like the actual son of the stepmother, who's like oh, Sylvester, who, like, yeah, 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 oh, that the guy. one who's crying, yes, yeah, yeah, that th- th- I remember him because like they kept cutting the scenes and he kept making. He was just like they were really playing him up, and I was like, my god, this is a weirdly omnipresent character now. Um. Yeah, he. you know what, real quick, he had a lot of play in the actual movie, especially near the end. I just realized yeah. he might be the only actor in the in the plot I didn't say the actor's name for. Um, it's yeah. uh, Dick Sean. Gotcha. <laughs> Dick Sean is and Sylvester. Like, it's, it's, um, I, you're not exactly remiss for not mentioning it, considering everyone else who was going on. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's just... Thinking back on it, it was just a fucking crazy time. And plus, the I guess the, the characters also did have a lot more inter- interaction with each other in the end. Um, which I actually did like a bit. It kind of felt like it was a bit more of an active situation. And I, and I, I must sound like I'm bagging on it a lot. I do actually kind of like how complex it kind of got. Because it did really give the situation of it being just such a mad race for everything. Um, whereas it really did seem like rat race everything was it could have seemed like every individual character could have been like a separate episode on a tv show and like you get to just see how they come together in the end yeah which i'm pretty sure like this is basically (laughs) it's it's like the um it's like the fucking the series the witcher just a lot more crazy (laughs) i'll take your word for that (laughs) it's really not i'm just thinking about it because that's on my mind it is it the witcher also has a thing with having divergent multiple plot lines it's just you know it's it jumps across like time jumps and everything it's like it's not nearly as crazy as this um so so, yeah what 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 you were saying sort of about getting the people confused um Mm -hmm. i mean so i mean i uh, to admit that i don't have that just because i sort of know who these people are just as comics and, and actors but i definitely know where you're coming from because yeah. at, at times they don't even feel like the stories are as distinct. Benji and Ding, uh, uh, Buddy Hackett and Mickey Rooney, th- their story is so self-contained for the most part that it's easy to distinguish them from everybody else. The most interaction they have outside of the beginning and the end is that they get beaten out for the plane by uh, Sid Caesar and Edie Adams, which is why they track down uh jim backus at the country club to fly them um, yeah but besides that they're inside they're in that plane for the vast majority of the film um yeah it almost seems like it seems like they could have had their entire own movie or tv show on their own like it just seems like they're just doing their own thing 
Pretty much, and I think that's kind of the inspiration specifically for uh, the Cody brothers, uh, Seth Green and Vince Vilouf's characters in Rat Race, because yep. they're you know they're brothers hanging out doing things, they get in a hot air balloon, all this all this nonsense, but they have more thing. They may have the most things going on in Rat Race compared to Buddy and Mickey having the least amount of things going on in mad mad world yeah so i think they knew they knew more what to do with them but they're distinct and i mean just coming right out and saying it probably my favorite of all of the the actors in the movie is phil silvers i love him as a comedian i think he's hilarious he does sleazy really well (laughs) and all of his interactions with jonathan winters and him driving into into the the river those are the highlights of the movie for me so it's a so i think that phil silvers is really distinct too yeah i yeah i gotta agree with that one he it it definitely seemed like he carried pretty much he he carried pretty decent swaths like there would be times where i'd be kind of lulling off and just being like okay and then chaos ensued etc next scene anytime he'd come back on it'd be like okay no I'm, i feel more interested again yes he he does he does what he does well most of his career was playing like really sleazy men so um but but yeah. play, play what you're best at i guess yeah yeah play to your strengths i say but but as for everything else i do tend to agree with you uh, I mean, this is maybe the third time I've seen this movie, so you start to pick up on, like, the obviously the little differences in play and how they, uh-huh. they do their characters. But overall, for the most part, it does it does tend to get confusing. Uh-huh. And like you said, Rat Race, they're all, like, they're, they're, like, little vignettes of stories, so they're easier to distinguish what's going on. Mm-hmm. And really easier to explain. I had, like, four to five paragraphs for Mad Mad World, and I had two for Rat Race, so... Yeah, <laughs> so you know, it turned out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like I, I'll try to redress the balance a bit and go back to rat race a bit. Um, yeah, we we have been talking about the the first for a while. Yes, 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 yes. Um, what do you what do you think of these actors? Because like none of these guys, I get a lot of the main characters. I haven't seen a whole lot of earlier two thousands media. And that's where a lot of these actors, I think, kind of shined. I had a lot of stuff earlier then, like Cuba Gooding Jr. and everything. I know he was in a couple of things. Um, but beyond that, the one person, the person I recognize the most is Rowan Atkinson. And that's not saying a lot. Um, <laughs> Mr. Bean, like, dude, running around. Like, what is your opinion of these guys? Because, like, I don't know whether you see them in more stuff or if you're just, if you're as confused, like, kind of meh about their general existence as I am or no. Okay, so I'm kind of in the middle because I do recognize a decent amount of them. I definitely recognize more from Mad Mad World, but that's because, right. I mean, multiple people have talked about this, but over time we ha- we've we grown to have less personalities because there's so much media to consume. Yeah. So it was easier to have recognizable personalities back then, and now... You know, it it can kind of be blended, and every now and then you pick up on, oh, that guy has been like Rami Malik. It's like, oh yeah, he's been in, doing a lot of stuff recently. Yeah, I I, I recognize him. But yeah. um, I mean, the most recognizable people, obviously, Cuba was in a few things back then. Seth Green is recognizable for like 
I mean, I don't know, Austin Powers, uh, the Italian job, he created uh, Robot Chicken, so he was in some right. stuff too. Whoopi Goldberg and John Cleese are probably the most recognizable figures in the movie, yeah. I guess. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'd agree. And then, uh, I mean, past that point, you really just have to know the people. I mean, John Lovitz, obviously, SNL, the critic, I, I think John Lovitz is funny. I really, right. I really like him, so I recognize him for that. But then others, like uh, John Cleese's assistant, Dave Thomas, he was one half of the McKenzie brothers. The other was Rick Moranis, oh, yeah. who we've covered multiple times on this show. Uh, yeah. Wayne Knight, who most people either know from Jurassic Park or from uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, and, I know him from Park. Yeah. And, I mean, John Lovitz's wife, even, Kathy Najimy, like, she's been in a couple things, but most people are either going to know her for being one of the witch sisters in Hocus Pocus. Or for, <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's why I recognize yeah, her. Yeah, <laughs> or for being the voice of Peggy Hill on King of the Hill. Like, Also why I recognize that. <laughs> exactly. So, so all of these people do have pull, but... In the grand scheme of things, not very big pull. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, this is definitely, like, we go on about it being star-studded and everything, but it's like, this is very, maybe more like, I don't know, star-placed, I guess. Studded <laughs> is a bit is a it, bit more... A little disingenuous. It's kind of, it's it's got glitter on it, let's say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, someone breathed, a ba- opened a bag of glitter and just... <sighs> on yeah, the movie. which... Which, like, honestly, I kind of thought I would be, like, I was thinking I'd be kind of down on it, but at the same time, I actually kind of like the fact that I don't recognize most everyone, because it means everyone just kind of has their own performance. Like, I don't know who the heck Amy, this Amy Smart girl is who played, that's the, she, yeah, she played the, yeah, the she helicopter was girlfriend. Yeah, Tracy, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought she was fantastic. I thought she was hilarious. <laughs> um, it's, like, I kind of, it was nice to kind of get that kind of. Not levity, but almost like a more distinct personality out of a out of a female role. It's it kind of seems like oh, you know, you'd get like crazy helicopter pilot as a guy, and then the whole thing based around it is her being like, you know, unlucky in love with her boyfriend and everything, and that's already kind of stereotypical. But I thought she was pretty cool. Yeah, and, you know, I thought I thought it made fucking you know <laughs> Brecken Meyer's character a bit more, you know. Not a white piece of bread. Yeah, like an actual, like, human being. <laughs> yeah, like, shit was actually happening, and it, it's his motivations weren't all over the damn place. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, he... <laughs> you think... In a movie like this, there isn't really a lead. Neither of these yeah. movies has a lead, because there's multiple leads. But just based on the time period that Rat Race came out, and how Breckenmeyer looks... Yeah. Even after you've seen this movie, like, for the third or fourth time, like I have, I've seen both of these movies multiple times, you see Brecken Meyer mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, well, he's the star of the movie, right? He just has yeah. that look about him, like some 90s rom-com. It's that, and it's like, A, he's the first person to really show up on screen. Yeah. Um, He's, whenever they first start off, like, the game, he's the last one to enter, and so focus is kind of pulled to him. In so many situations, he's played as this everyman character who's just kind of along for the ride, which is pretty much 101 for movies for giving you, um, like, for a main character, how for the, um, you know, the audience to project onto. And so it just, it really did seem like they were trying to play that up more, and it just seemed like everyone else was 
kind of just there to support that end goal that he was going. Like, I guess arc for him, because like it kind of goes in the end of him, you know, enjoying himself more and everything and being more outgoing and not necessarily a stick in the mud. Which in the end he still is kind of a stick in the mud because like you know he he's the one who announces like oh this guy's gonna match all your donations and everything and it's like oh it's meant to be like oh his arc's complete he's doing something that's kind of skeevy but it's like well, he's still being the same nice dude and he's doing it in every way to cover his ass it's like yeah still can't still can't really say he's changed much he's got a greater appreciation of life now probably but he wasn't exactly a poor off person before this he won't be a poor off person afterwards compared to all the other people and it's just like well all right that's just kind of that let's let's play some fucking all-star and sing the fuck out <laughs> you know what that's actually kind of funny i because the way you put that i never really thought about it before but he's the only he is the only character that kind of has an arc that is filled to completion the other characters have arcs that are kind of set up for them and then they never accomplish them like Vera and Meryl, or Lanai and Whoopi, it might just be easier to use the actors' names. Lanai and yeah, Whoopi it is. <laughs> and Whoopi have this... I think it's, Lin- I think it's Linay, by the way. Linay? Ah, shit. Well, she's one of the ones yeah. that I, I don't think I've ever seen in anything, so... Apologies. Uh, not a problem. I'll go off Linay now. Um, the yeah. two of them are set up to have this strained... Well, not even strained, because Whoopi gave her up, but they have this mother-daughter relationship that was virtually non-existent, and they're, like, connecting for the first time. But you yeah. don't really see that go anywhere, other than the fact that they're two differing personalities that are stuck together. So it's more of a vehicle for the movie, uh-huh. or for their plots in the movie. John Lovitz learns nothing. He, he oh yeah he drugs he confesses to his family what he did, and then drugs them and takes them to the money anyways. Uh, yep. Rowan Atkinson's character he just doesn't really do much of anything. He's just kind of there. Yeah, he doesn't have anything to learn, so he doesn't. Yeah. The Seth, the Seth Green character, maybe like there's a bit of it like at the end when he kind of like realizes like kind of becomes more generous like when his brother uses his own fucking their deceased mother's name in order to persuade him. <laughs> First time which, it's like, brought up. Yeah, exactly. And so that's I guess they're trying to resolve it because like they set him up, Seth Green characters up as such a dick that it's like oh he's got to have something. But then again, they didn't do that for John Lovitz, so what the fuck does it matter? No, John Lovitz just <laughs> remains a, a creep. I guess he yeah. gave his money away. That's their. That's the cop-out for all of them. They gave their money away. But again, for like characters like Rowan Atkinson and Whoopi Goldberg, the way that those characters are portrayed from start to finish, they probably would have given their money up anyways. Yeah, they probably didn't know what they had. <laughs> yeah, Rowan Atkinson's like, I won the race, and then he gives the money away, and then Whoopi Goldberg's character is presented as this well, one, just this nice woman that would probably do that anyways, but also it's established that she, like, gave all of her life savings to a psychic, so she is also not good with money. So, yeah, so. <laughs> those characters didn't have anything play out in the end. Yeah, it's just, like, in the end, the characters themselves, I guess, like, I guess the whole thing, that whole thing's meant to be secondary, because, like, even thinking back on that Mad World... I think they those characters learned, learned even less. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, well, that's like a Seinfeld of a movie. The point is, is that everyone is horrible and no one learns anything. Yeah, like I really was like going into this, I really was anticipating to be very down on Rat Race comparatively because, like, for once, I actually saw Rat Race the later one before the original. I, not for any particular reason. I just I had the I already had Rat Race on the brain, mm. um, and so I was anticipating going into the other one into the original like okay i'm gonna be 
way more interested in this. It's going to be characters who are more genuine and real compared to these facsimiles we have in Rat Race. And by the end of it, I was like, man, A, I fucking hate all these people. <laughs> B, it's not even that great of an ending for the whole situation. It's just kind of like, oh, money's gone and no one learned anything. It's just, uh, okay. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> like we like our generation gives crap to Smash Mouth for lots of things. That was a decent ending. I thought it was fun. <laughs> it was enjoyable. That's the main thing. Is that if I, if I'm being honest, I don't think that it's good, but I do think that it's fun to watch. Hence the fact that I've seen it yes. like three or four times of my own free will. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can hardly consider either of these films necessarily the most. Like, like we can't really consider a lot of the films we watch to be good. We really do come down to whether or not we enjoyed them. Yeah. <laughs> I go out of my way to watch a lot of trash anyways. <laughs> yeah. I still don't know how you do that. Like, I can I can hardly stomach... I can hardly stomach stuff that's, like, supposedly good that I just don't happen to like versus, like, stuff that is just straight garbage. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you Maybe just, just you have a very <laughs> you have a, You have a very distinct taste for the... You almost have an, an almost Lovecraftian taste to things. The things that are truly defying expectation and to any sane man would be tantamount to suicide. But to you, you forge on anyway. As much as I hate to admit it, I really do think that a lot of that stems from my... I don't have it. I haven't had it for a long while. But my er, my infatuation when I was younger with early internet critics. Yeah. And I think that that I think it was like because they 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 would watch like a bad horror movie and be like this horror movie's so bad and it's like it's really bad I gotta watch it now and I used to do the same thing with like AVG any play like oh this game on N sixty four sucks it's like oh I should play that game and see how much it sucks and I think that turned <laughs> into an unironic appreciation for bad things <laughs> so I think that's kind of what happened uh, you you you've you've Stockholm syndromed yourself. <laughs> I've conditioned myself to be in this warped parasocial relationship with bad B-horror. You have beaten yourself over the head with these terrible things so much that now this is the only way you can get off. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) That's depressing. I don't want to think about that anymore. (laughs) Okay, sorry. No problem. I just kind of threw your entire world into perspective. My apologies. It's the first time I've ever really thought about that. But, um... (laughs) Going back to, like, what we were saying about Mad Mad World, yeah. it's it's strange because, like we said, it is sort of Seinfeldian, or more in more recent terms, like, it's always sunny, where all the characters are selfish and out for their own personal gain, and in the end, they yep. do sort of get punished for it. Like, all of them get punished because, like, no, this should not be allowed in pleasant society. But yeah. it's kind of strange because... Uh, um ah shit i'm 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 drawing a blank dorothy provine's character uh who you know she had ethel merman as the mother and yeah russell she was really adamant from the very beginning let's not do this i don't want to be a part of this she's just sort of active along the way and even near the end when she's talking to captain culpepper before she knows that he's like in the police force she's like i know where it is we could have the money oh it was a nice thought like i she didn't actually act on anything. She didn't do anything, but she's punished with everybody else. Yeah. And she's the it's only like, good, decent person in the whole film. Yeah. It's like the, it's like the old, like old biblical stories or old, like folks tale of folk tales or anything. It's like 
anyone who even gets slightly involved with the deal with the devil, whether they win, whether they lose, they still they still fucked up by getting that far involved in the first place. <laughs> yeah, she should have like, just left left Russell and her mother and just walked home, I guess. <laughs> and so this is why Mad World and this uh, this is why Mad World is a comparison to fucking Old Testament Judeo God. Yes. <laughs> it's like like my brain just immediately went to there. I was like, well, "What the fuck?" <laughs> it's like that, you know, of such a merciless world that they are in. It's like, what are we talking about? Versus rat race being New Testament God, where everyone is worthy of redemption. Yeah, every, whether <laughs> whether or not they actually whether or not they actually earned it, whether or not they actually learned anything. If in the end you confess yourself to, in front of the world, you're fine. Yeah. And and you know what I'm I'm I mean I'm gonna stick up for him a little bit, but all these characters in Rat Race get redeemed, even though they do really just bad, horrible, sh- destructive shit. Maybe not as destructive yep. as Mad Mad World, but it bor- it borders on it for some of them. Others are just obnoxious. Like Breckin Meyer doesn't yeah. do anything; he just gets involved with Amy, who uh, nearly kills a man. But yeah, <laughs> but John Cleese. I don't think he. I don't think his character did anything wrong. I think his crime is being a rich, pompous asshole. But I don't think. Yeah. Like he sets off this game, but he, like he doesn't force these people to do anything. He he's not directly responsible for the crimes, and he fully intends to give them the money as the prize, and yet he ends up getting punished for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't. I don't even know if you could like stretch the sense that he did anything illegal, but per se, like I don't think maybe so. if like. Maybe if, like, in a court of law, it could be kind of considered, like, he was inciting violence or destruction through his actions. But even that's a stretch. Yeah, and he was, I mean, he was having, like, a gambling thing, like a betting pool. But, I mean, it was a, a hotel in, like, Vegas, right? Or, like, a casino, yeah. at least. So You can do a whole lot of shit in, the, in, that, whole, in that whole region of the, of the country. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't actually have the end goal be somewhere else in Nevada, because that, that's even less legal trouble you have to worry about. You don't have to worry about state lines. You don't have to worry about the illegality of gambling or anything. Yeah, there's there's none of that BS that tracks with it. I just I, I just think that's a that's a weird situation. I I yeah. I mean, talking about both of these films, I mentioned this uh, after we stopped recording on our Beauty and the Beast one because you had mentioned. Uh, you knew that we were going to have differing opinions on it. Yeah. I didn't know if we would have differing opinions or not going into this one, but man, I'm still not sure if we do. <laughs> it's my... like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I stand currently still. Well, that's sort of my problem because I brought up to you, I was like, the next one we're doing is this. And I have a bit of a complicated relationship with these movies because I've seen both of them multiple times. I don't know if I can pick a favorite necessarily because I, I think one does stuff better than the other, but then again, the vice versa also applies. Like, right? I I can't pick a favorite because it's like I think this film does this really well and keeps me invested as compared to this. But then you know, flip flop that. So it's it's a strange yeah, it's, situation I'm I'm in. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to pick apart different bits that I can really say distinctly. I guess one in particular that I, I mentioned earlier, I do love the gamblers in Rat Race. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, that entire, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I've already forgotten if you mentioned it in the synopsis, but, like, there's a whole just side plot, well, not side plot, but just, like, there's cutaways to these 
gamblers who are watching the race and they're all like betting ludicrous amounts of money on really benign bets and everything like um i don't even remember some of them um oh no one of them was like like a box of chocolates and like one of them had to eat like oh which one is he is gonna pick um or like having maids hold on to a curtain bar and see which one holds on the longest having the assistant um call it like order a prostitute and see how that goes and everything it's just i thought it was just so silly because it's just so out there and just showing how just the, these rich eccentric people just doing this random bullshit and i just i thought it was just like almost a moment of not even stability necessarily but of like consistency throughout the film that's like while well, these people are going through their sort of arcs sort of not with all this crazy bullshit there's just these rich people having fun <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's funny because like even when they're all upset and destitute because they're like oh well i guess the game's over at this point near near the end of the movie because uh his assistant uh dave thomas stole the money with the call girl and so everyone's like well that's the end and he's like no that's not the end we are going to silver city and they all get on the plane and on the plane right over there they're still playing like little betting games to like pass the time yeah <laughs> it's it's just it's just a fun little thing to add in there it's just like let's just make it as ridiculous as possible i think like mad world definitely needed more moments of that or just like there were just so many situations where i was like my god you can only beat these people so hard <laughs> like I think I, I, I like Rat Race for the fact that since so much of the situations they're in are so cartoonish that I almost don't feel too bad about the situations they're in. Because A, a lot of them are very irredeemable and put themselves in these weird situations. And B, they're so ridiculous that it's like, okay, like the suspension of disbelief is kind of non-existent here. So let's just let's see these people go through weird situations like getting in a literal fucking rocket car. And going as fast as a speeding bullet at one point, which I thought that was a funny scene. Um, oh yeah, he fires the. Bu- yeah, that was funny. Um, versus the original one, again with it being older, a lot of the stunts and everything are more legitimate, or at least look more le- legitimate. And so I just kind of feel bad. I'm like, my God, fucking quit beating these people! Like the guy and his wife in the basement trying to blow up a hole in the wall. Oh, that's yeah. all going to hell. Like the plane that the two guys are in. The the british guy and everything just everyone just getting the hell kicked out of him in the end i can, it's just like <laughs> I, and then like and then and the, and the captain just having to worry about his pension and all this bullshit i'm like man, I, feel, I just i feel bad for these people at a certain point i don't like them but i feel bad <laughs> one one scene that actually makes me made me sick or makes me sick uh-huh. in mad mad world when i see it just because that sound it like reaches something primal in me i guess but <laughs> when Culpepper has the two phones and it's his wife talking to his daughter who's like run away and is it uh-huh. is threatening to get on a bus and and flee um they're they're both shouting at each other right before the intermission that takes place and yeah. and his daughter starts scream crying horribly and I'm like oh god I can like feel that it feels real I I mean congrats yeah. to whoever did that I guess but ooh I cannot listen to that yeah, that, it just it just got rough after a while. I was like, "My God, people, let up a little." <laughs> yeah, I, I want him to win. I don't want him. I don't want him to be punished to the point yeah, that everyone him, else gets off the hook, like he says. Yeah, let him get his cash and go to Mexico. The man deserves it. He's a an officer for fuck's sake. 
been working this case for years. His daughter doesn't respect him. His wife doesn't care enough to even know what he's been doing at work. Yeah. It's and Andy's not getting his pension. Yeah, which I mean, it at at the end of the day, it kind of is one of the reasons that incites him. I mean, kind of it is one of the reasons that yeah. incites him to go after the money himself. But compared to everything else, it's so minimal. I don't even think I mentioned the pension in the synopsis. I think I forgot yeah. about it. Yeah, that was just a whole other thing going on. There's so much going on in that fucking movie. My god. I you know what? I think I found my opinion. <laughs> the more and more I think on it, it's like, yeah, I think I think I know where I stand. But you you did, you mentioned people doing their own stunts and getting hurt. Like, there's two yeah. actual scenes you can watch in that movie, and you can tell when someone got injured. And I know for a fact, like uh-huh. when Phil Silvers and Jonathan Winters both confront each other at the auto body shop, and Jonathan Winters is like bashing Phil Silvers' head into uh-huh. the whatever that was like a phone box or something phil silvers had to go to the hospital after that and he was in the hospital <laughs> for a few weeks i know that for a fact um jesus christ and uh arnold stang who was one of the auto body shop workers that fought jonathan winters uh, it was him and marvin kaplan uh uh-huh. if you watch the movie his right arm is always sort of up near his side because right before filming he slipped in his pool and broke his arm huh. and still committed to do all of those stunts. So just just remember, he's getting, like, real tires and paint buckets thrown at him, and he has a broken arm that he's holding there, trying to act. Jesus, hell. <laughs> <laughs> at least they used, like, it, it was shitty CG, but they at least had CG in a lot of the scenes in Rat Race. <laughs> like, they just, they decided, you know what, let's not do these terrible things and let's have some occasional practical effects and other times straight up fake effects and just have some fun with it yeah yeah uh, yeah and like in the end i do think i did i did end up not necessarily enjoying the characters more but i did like have more feeling for them i think it was a much nicer ending you know like okay rich guy gets come up and it's like i know he didn't necessarily do anything wrong but at the same time it's like you know super rich guy with more money than anyone else in the world it's hard to say oh he didn't deserve that yeah he's rich who cares so yeah there's a situation where i'm just like you know what i think this is the best situation it could have turned out smash mouth is ridiculous and at the time probably very unironically cool um and just nowadays it's ironically cool <laughs> um <laughs> i wonder so just... when that i wonder when rat race came out in comparison to shrek they both came out in the same year but i wonder which came first i just, I, I honestly don't know it's that's <laughs> a, that was a hell of a year um the year of smash <laughs> the, of, of mouth smashing yes um, <laughs> we all had fun yeah i just it it really just seemed to have a better thing going on like it didn't give us moments of true like domestic quarrel and everything it just had like it had you know the john lovitz character drugging his family but i'd be hard <laughs> be hard pressed to call that fucking domestic quarrel it's just fucking crazy yeah. <laughs> it's just like it just it just jumps the shark entirely on that one so it's like it's almost okay <laughs> i mean rat race has a lot of good moments in it i really do think all the stuff with john lovitz is my favorite in the movie <laughs> just because he he's this put upon man. i think it is because of the seinfeld aspect him and wayne knight in the movie are really the only truly malicious characters that are there yeah. like He's obviously stealing things. He drugs his family. He 
John Lovitz is <laughs> lying the whole time, and then Wayne Knight like is gonna kill Rowan Atkinson. Right. So it's like even given his situation, it's almost understandable. Not acceptable, but understandable. Someone else's <laughs> life is on the line. <laughs> right. And his job, but yeah. But I it's mean, it's almost it's, yeah. To the, to the point where John Lovitz's stuff is so enjoyable. I don't know if you ever noticed, but me and a couple of our other mutual friends would always quote the Hitler stuff back and forth oh, to yeah. each other. It's Hitler's car sucking on the dashboard. I don't know. I find that scene so that's, funny. I, oh, my sweet good lord. That's where that comes from. Getting his germs. <laughs> it's it's a funny don't scene. Touch that. That's Hitler's. Oh, my God. I cannot fucking believe it. Holy goddamn hell. How many times you wow. must have heard us quoting that. Yeah, for the longest time, I was just like, I'm just, you guys make so many goddamn references to shit I don't understand. I just roll with it at a certain point and just assume I missed something. Because, like, I often did. (laughs) It's just, oh, my God. Well, well, that's what that one was. (laughs) Well, I think think that's a chapter on my life I get to neatly tie up with a bow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, uh, my God, the mystery is solved. <laughs> but, yeah, at the end of the day, I can't even I can't even tell you which of these films I think is better made. Because I don't yeah. even think I... I don't think I could tell you. But... Uh, yeah, I don't... Yeah, it's... We, we always tend to go for the older movies because they were allowed... Not necessarily had to do more, but they ended up... They just needed to just by... Um, just by design, because, like, you know, you had to make more practical effects because you didn't have the excuse of, like, computers and everything. And so we tend to, it feels like we tend to do that, at least for well-made. But in this case, it's, like, not a whole lot excess happens. Like, you know, pretty straightforward stuff compared to our usual gambits. Um, gambits? That's not the right word. Our usual... Outings. Um, uh, outings, <laughs> contestants on this show. I don't yes. know. Um, but, it, yeah, it's doesn't do anything particularly wrong with it you can obviously i can obviously point out a dozen situations in the in rat race of oh this is early 2000 cg it looks terrible it's aged terrible yada yada that's been said a thousand times but it's just yeah they're so ridiculous and all their situations are just kind of out there that it's hard to say film quality is necessarily even on the board here and just necessarily of just the situations themselves of the film itself rather than its make so yeah not to mention like you mentioned the bad cgi there's some bad moments of stuff like that in mad mad world too especially near the ending the the entire the greens yeah the entire fire ladder thing where it's clearly stop motioned uh, right to throw people yeah it would be too dangerous otherwise Uh, yeah that's a that is a good point actually now that i think about that there are a few moments like when they're at the airport and the plane's going by it's very clearly videoed and everything yeah and and i yeah, think you know the what? most yeah, egregious yeah. one i think is captain culpepper is the last person thrown off the fire the fire ladder whatever the hell that thing's called to help them get off the fire escape um yep he gets thrown into a pet store and it cuts to dogs licking him but i guess either the dogs didn't lick him for as long as the director wanted or Spencer Tracy was getting sick of the dogs licking him because it is so obviously looped. The dogs are moving, <laughs> the dogs and Spencer Tracy are moving their heads in such an unnatural way because it's like one second looped back and forth to make it look like a 10 second scene. 
and it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, you know, now that I think about it, I think I think Rat Race is better made. <laughs> yeah. like, I'll I'll be distinct with it. I'll won't, I won't have a wishy washy uh, platform for once. Rat Race actually fucking was pretty well made, all things considered. It had a lot of really big situations that were pretty crazy. They did a lot of scenes that just yeah that they just straight up did there's a whole scene at the fucking monster truck rally there is like the scene with the bikers chasing them in the in the car um the hot air balloon and everything was just like ridiculous it didn't necessarily do anything was it necessarily doing anything spectacular with it but it's just like you know what they they went for it they fucking did it so like okay we're good here right <laughs> so yeah i'll say i'll say rat race <laughs> <laughs> all right well i i think i think in in today's world Mad Mad World, if, if someone goes back and, and watches it, it's usually not for the comedy anymore. I mean, a lot of people still enjoy it. But for right. the most part, I think it's because of not not even just the cast, but the cameos as well. Yeah. It is it's like everybody in that movie that was anybody. Yeah. Like, shit. Like, Which, like, and you get movies like that every now and again still, but I'm glad they aren't as in your face with it yeah i mean what outside of the main cast you got don knotts jim backus three stooges buster keaton zazu pitts charles lane norman fell all these people that was buster keaton again he was he was a driver in one of the cars i think near the middle portion of the movie i mean it's like jerry lewis he he drives over the hat but jerry lewis gets more screen time i think because he can do more with it at that point i think at that i mean that was the height of Jerry Lewis, Buster Keaton had definitely not been doing his movies for a while. Um, right. But yeah, all of these people, and then Rat Race doesn't really have that. Again, there's not as many identifiable figures you can use. So they have, right. like, Smash Mouth, Kathy Bates, and Attorney Gloria Allred. And that's kind yeah, of it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's a real life attorney, but I, I mean, I didn't know that until I looked it up. So, yeah, there's not as much there, but I guess, I guess to, to put a long, make a long story short and finally come to my ending argument for nothing at the, (laughs) essentially, um, it's hard for me to pick which of these I enjoy more because Rat Race is more condensed and it, it knows how to handle its story. All these vignettes are a lot of fun and it, 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 it. it wraps them up nicer to the point where even if the end is stupid and early two thousands, it's still enjoyable to watch. But the whole point of the movie existing is to sort of, you know, interact with the characters. You feel like you're getting a good feel for the characters. And even though mad, mad world is super long to the point where the version most people have seen is cut down from 197 minutes. Yeah. Like fucking hell. It is so long, but to that end, you do get to spend more time with those characters. Like you were mentioning, mm-hmm. Brecken, Breckenmeyer and Amy Smart. Amy Smart is barely in Rat Race. They wrap up their story yeah. so quickly, and you still have like a bunch of scenes with like John Lovitz and Cuba Gooding Jr. left, and you're like, well, where did Brecken and Amy go? They're not in the movie anymore. Yeah, just because I feel like they have to wrap everybody else's story up, and they lose kind of track of it. So. I, I, for the first time in the history of the show, I can't say which I prefer, and I don't think that I will be coming to a consensus anytime soon. Well, damn. Okay, that's 
surprising. Wow. Yeah, that was sort I mean, of like what that's... I was alluding to with my complicated nature of this. It's just I I enjoy both of these films for vastly different reasons. So, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I'm definitely I as you can probably guess by now, I'm probably a bit more distinct with my opinion. Yes. Um, I wanted to like Mad World more than I did, but like I just at a certain point, it almost kind of like beats it to death with all of, all of its situations, or it almost kind of started to get boring by the end. Um, so I couldn't, like, it just, it was a slog to get through the very end. Like, it was a fun twist having, like, oh, you know, they're running off with it and everything and that everything. But just, it ended on just kind of a squib for me. So I was just kind of like, oh, okay, that's that then. Whereas, Rat Race, you know, it was a ridiculous ending. It was a crazy ending. And it was, in many cases, a stupid ending. But it was a fucking ending. My God. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, it was funny it was like the situations were laughable and they were cartoonish enough that it didn't really feel bad for the situations. The, um, you know, in the end, I do like that the characters were actually somewhat decent people. They're not great. Like some characters more than others, obviously. Um, but I think in the end, I'm a sucker for a happy ending. And I think I would also watch rat race again before I would watch mad world. That's for sure. <laughs> if only because of the fucking length. Um, <laughs> It is a deterrent just, for I, some, yeah. Yeah, and it's just, I, I think I like that it was a bit more condensed, that it was just kind of like, okay, let's just have these crazy situations, let's not make it overly complicated, let's just have a fun plot. Like, that's, well, not, well, maybe not plot, but just a fun movie. Um, so yeah, I, I gotta give it to Rat Race for pretty much all those reasons. Alright. It's like, I, I I appreciate what Mad World did, but in the end, yeah, it's kind of dull. <laughs> All right. So somehow <laughs> that's fair. And, and, and you know what? Uh, before I forget, just because it is related, you brought up Smash Mouth again. So I forgot one point I will give to Mad World completely over Rat Race. I think the music is much more enjoyable because it has its own theme. It, it, yes. Uh, that plays in different variations throughout the film and it feels orchestral and grand and sweeping and. Smash Mouth is fun, but Rat Race uses a lot of either licensed music or stock stuff, like in the Hall of the Mountain King. And yeah. one thing I cannot let pass, I think the opening song to the movie is really cringy. Yeah, that was awful. Like, it's a rat race. A look at rat race. It's so late 90s that it's hard oh, It's yeah. hard to listen to. And it plays again over the credits uh, after, like... after Smash Mouth. So, yeah. Oof. So, yeah, they at least had that much, but yep, still gotta give it to the rat race. Uh, so th- it's the Smash Mouth man. It did it for me. <laughs> the Smash Mouth brought us together once again. World peace. But, <laughs> um, so I mean, those are our closing thoughts. Uh, there's no point in loading that any longer. Uh, do you have anything yeah. comparable that you'd like to suggest? <sighs> Fucking, I don't know. Uh. Shit, man! I any kind of race movie, I guess. I can't really, I can't really think of anyone in particular. Fucking Tom and Jerry's Amazing Race, or whatever the hell that movie was. <laughs> oh yeah, there's I some... it's like a wacky races parody kind of. Yeah, so like that one's pretty fun, and it just is a cartoon, so it just it kind of skips over the 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 middleman with that one. Um, beyond that, I do not know. Like these are two; these were two very distinct movies for me. And they're never, and they're both situations that, like, I've mentioned in the past. I don't necessarily like chaotic movies. In fact, I, in most often cases, distinctly dislike them. Um, 
in this case it was a bit better at least but i just i i don't watch enough movies like this to have anything comparable you probably know more than me uh to a degree i'd say i guess i mean you can always go the all-star route and i don't know something like cannonball run or the poseidon adventure whether you think they're good movies or not they have all-star casts if that's what you want to go for but if you're looking for sort of those chaotic like zip around everybody after i mean i mentioned it before there are other remakes of mad mad world in between mad mad world and rat race like uh scavenger hunt which came out shortly after and it had a bunch of i think i can't even remember any of the actors i just remember some of the cameos were like vincent price and arnold schwarzenegger so it was (laughs) it was playing off that as well Actually, one that I will suggest, this is not for the faint of heart. This is for people that like terrible schlock uh, like me. But, oh, God. Um, directly inspired by Mad Mad World, there is a movie from the 70s called uh, Million Dollar Mystery, which is like a bunch, of, a bunch of groups of people are at a diner eating, and this criminal who's hidden $4 million in four different places, so a million dollars in each place, dies and reveals to all these diner patrons a clue that leads them on this hunt and then it's the same thing all these different people going off having little vignettes um but the whole thing was an advertisement for glad bags like (laughs) the glad trash bags it it is fucking what (laughs) it's bizarre because like the opening of the movie there's this song playing like it's a million dollar mystery and he's the criminal is dumping money into these glad trash bags with like the glad logo proudly displayed on the desk and the movie ends before any before the final million dollars is even found it's like three millions found they're all dejected and then they get one last clue and they go off hunting and then it cuts to the one of the cops that's been chasing them for the whole movie sitting on a bench, and he looks into the camera and says, you know what, I don't think any of these people are going to find the million dollars. I don't even know if I will, but you can. If you watch the movie again and look for the clue, it was an advertisement for a real-life million-dollar money hunt advertised Holy by what? Glad Bags. Glad Trash the- Bags. <laughs> and- I almost don't want to spoil it, but did anyone find it? I don't know. I I should really look into that. If you want, I can look it up real quick and say it on the show. But I mean, if you want, but like, my God, like that's just, I don't want to say no. Let, let's everyone else figure that one out. Yeah, you know, maybe what? it's go still hunt, out there. Go hunt for the glad trash bag money yourselves. If don't you don't even look up it. the clues, just go but, out there and look for it. And uh, but it, it kind of makes the mistake of falling off of the Mad Mad World train, and that the cast is for the most part completely unrecognizable it's not an all-star cast it's got rick overton who's been in tons of stuff it's got eddie deason is probably the standout star and everyone just knows him as a background character in greece and (laughs) and the voice of mandark on dexter's lab but he's one of the main characters and he's just trying to get laid the whole time he's like oh boy so (laughs) go out and watch that movie maybe find a million dollars buried in some desert somewhere for yourself I don't know. In the glad bag, inevitably. <laughs> that's my, I guess that's my suggestion. Yep. <laughs> Fuck movies. Go hunting for money. Go, just go out on a real-life ARG promoted yeah, by a trash bag company. That's what I plan with doing in my life. <laughs> all, of the, all, of these, all of these little podcast episodes in between is just 
padding for my sweet, sweet money trip. In fact, if you listen to each episode of They Remade It Again, you will find <laughs> I was one about clue. to say it! <laughs> one clue, and it will direct you towards a hidden gem, and soon you will find a treasure trove uh, with of Stuart's gold that he buried... <laughs> It's just gonna be some metaphor for something. Like, I don't. I don't know what. I'll have to. Fi- I still have to figure that out. I mean, uh, it's totally gold. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the friends that you made along the way. I, I can tell you that right now. Oh, well, like yeah. I don't even know how I would bury that. I'd have to meet your friends and then bury them. That'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> you find the corpses of your friends with a note that says, "I hope that you're happy now." Life yeah, lessons. Like, did you find it? This is uh, horrible. Okay, we're uh... <laughs> yeah. Move it, move it right along. Let's before we start saying stuff that's like you know advi- usable in a court of law. <clears throat> yes. Uh, how about things that can be used by you, the viewer, on your podcasting app, whichever that may be. <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm broken. You can go. <laughs> yeah, these movies have broken us, people. Jesus Christ. <laughs> iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, Podbay, Podbean, all the goodies. Uh, Stitcher. I'm perhaps one of the most proud of getting on there. Uh, you can find they remade it on any of those podcasting platforms. Go ahead and listen, leave a review, you know, leave some stars, pass some stars our way, partner. You know, uh, what what is that cringy ass uh, Reddit Reddit thing? Uh, Thanks for the gold, stranger. Something like that. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> kind stranger. Yeah, go ahead and do that for us, and maybe we'll say I'll say that again on the next episode. Um, uh, they remade it. Uh, at it remade on Twitter, they remade it at gmail.com. Send us suggestions or thoughts or anything like that that you wouldn't want in a public forum like iTunes or something. And uh, at they remade it on Instagram.com. I've been on, I, I, I took about a week off for restructuring, but I, I have been putting more stuff on there. So go ahead and check that out as well. Um, and I think that is it for socials. That kind of sums up our whole deal. This has been a wild ride. My God. Oh, yeah. This has been a madcap dash <laughs> across Audacity. Or OBS or whatever we're using. Whatever we're using nowadays. We don't even know. Maybe in the future we're using, like, mind meld technology. Yeah, I'm I'm streaming my thoughts directly to the platform. I'm not even editing it anymore. <laughs> I'd hate to see what my thoughts would look like on audio form. <laughs> Mine would probably be, like, a stream of consciousness and then halfway through it's interrupted with some scene from The Simpsons, likely. Yeah, me, it's, like, coherent thought. Thoughts about pot roast. Coherent thought. Thoughts about pot roast. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, I haven't had dinner. My 50% of my thoughts at any given time are either pot roast or... No, it's pretty much just pot roast. (laughs) (laughs) Remember to listen for clues and you can find Stuart's buried pot roast. (laughs) (laughs) Please do. I've been looking for it. (laughs) I lost it. I left it on the bus a long time ago. I can only assume it's been buried. (laughs) someone kindly might have buried it for safekeeping i left a note with it that says if found please bury (laughs) what is happening Uh, i don't know it's been it's been a long day and i'm hungry clearly (laughs) all right so i we should probably get something to eat yeah okay (laughs) as always i am your pot roast steward (laughs) and i am uh burying gold jacob i guess uh, yeah. Jacob is the friend that we buried along the way. Yep, I am speaking to you from beyond the grave. This is dumb, okay? We can- yeah, let's fucking. <laughs> I'm, my, have a good evening. My name is Stuart. His name's Jacob. Just enjoy yourselves. Bye.
Jason, where'd you get that? I found it under the seat. All right, Jason, give it to me right now. Come on, you can't play that. Why not? Because it's Hitler's harmonica. You can't play Hitler's harmonica. You're driving his car. Yes, but I'm not touching it with my mouth. I'm not sucking on the dashboard. I'm not getting his germs. 